You're listening to the Empty Stringers Podcast, where every week we talk about locating, catching, and the conservation of redfish. My hope is to share with you what I'm seeing from the polling platform so that together we can catch more fish. Think of it as your weekly fishing report. Welcome back to the podcast, folks. I'm your host, Matt Parrish. I got my tail trucked between my legs this week because uh, we had, let's just say, a rough outing uh, last week. So I'm going to tell you the story because I just believe in being uh, transparent. You can't go out there and slay them all the time. But I had kind of gotten used to it and was maybe feeling uh, a little too confident and let a couple of things that should have tipped me off to what was coming slide by and think I was going to I was just going to slay the redfish anyway and it turned out to be bad news. So let me go back uh to uh early March early March of 2023 I was out with it was shortly after I got the Sabine. I was out with my buddy Paul and Chris at the same time had them both on the boat. Uh, two good anglers who can throw at a fish and know what to do. No hand-holding involved. So we were out there in early March of 2023. And in spite of finding bait and uh, and good water clarity, we got skunked. Before that skunk, it had been a whole year since I had been skunked, and I I count not catching a fish to be a skunk. I will take it really hard if I don't catch a redfish. There was one other trip uh, in, I think it was in the summer, where I did not catch a redfish, but we were fly fishing. We did catch a couple of trout, but, uh, so that wasn't a skunk, but you know, if you want to count a skunk as not catching a redfish, I had around 85 trips in 2023. I had three of those trips where we did not catch a redfish. I looked at the year and I counted up as best I could and being as conservative as possible. Cause I don't want to just throw numbers around that are ridiculous. But we averaged five redfish a trip uh, for the year of 2023. That factors in the heydays where we slayed them and caught 13, 14, and the days where we caught, uh, you know, one or uh, two or three. So we averaged five. That was right around 500 redfish that we caught in 2023 and released, um, I would say, 90 seven percent of those 98 percent of those and so i'm working all this up to tell you guys that last friday i got skunked not only did i get skunked but uh it looked like have you ever have you ever gotten really good at something and then you want you want to show somebody and then when you go to show them you you all of a sudden you just suck at it real bad that's what friday was uh, Friday was probably the worst trip I've ever had on a skiff that I owned. Uh, 
And uh, the bad part of that whole thing was that I had a brand new client with me, never fished with me before. And uh, and who knows if I'll ever be able to convince him to fish with me again, but I did not charge him for the trip. Uh, so I'm hoping, uh, old Wayne, if you'll, uh, if you'll give me another shot. But uh, I'm going to go through this trip to explain to you how bad it was. And we're going to talk about why we got skunked and what maybe I could have done differently. But here's the thing. Let me set the stage for you, okay? I looked at the weather for Friday, and even though we were going to have, you know, moderate winds, 12, 12, 13 mile an hour gust into 15 or 16, that's not that bad. If you've got someone throwing traditional tackle, you can handle that. Not a big deal. I looked at the clarity. We were going to have bright, clear, sunny skies. So I thought we're going to have a good chance at uh, at catching redfish on the flats and being able to sight cast. And that's what Wayne wanted to do. He wanted to go on a polling trip, uh, shallow water, sight cast, and redfish. That's what I do. That's what I'm good at. Here's what happened weather-wise that started to ruin that whole thing. So Wednesday and Thursday, we had had a, we had had a north wind on Wednesday. We had had a northwest wind on Thursday, but it wasn't blowing very hard. It was like around the eight to 10 miles an hour. And, but it had, we had a good outgoing tide. And so I was watching the water level to see if it was going to dump because I don't want to fish a dump this time of year. Why not? The reason you don't want to fish a dump this time of year is because it's getting cold at night and the water temperatures are dropping, you know, high 40s to low 50s at night. And then in the morning when the sun gets out, it warms the flat back up. But if it's cold at night, everything's moving off the flat. The bait, the fish, everything. They're dumping back off into little deep pockets. They're uh, they're dumping off into, into deeper creeks, channels, the ICW, wherever, right? They're getting out of the shallow water when you have cold water temps overnight. So what happens is if you get uh, the water start to to move off the flats in an outgoing tide early part of the morning and you've got a northwest wind to support that, then all the water falls off the flat and there's no bait or fish or anything up there to fall with it. So it can make for an absolute grueling day on the flats. I did not fish Thursday because I had a feeling, well, I didn't fish Thursday for several reasons. I had family obligations, but I had looked at the weather and I had been very agreeable uh, with the wife that, hey, yeah, no big deal. Like we're, you know, going to make it work uh, for Thursday. I'm not going to fish because I thought that even with that moderate wind, like, you know, it was eight to 10, but it was gusting up closer to 15. So I thought Thursday we were going to have cold water temps. All the water was going to fall off the flats. It was going to make fishing suck on Thursday. And then the day after that was Friday, and I thought that was going to be the heyday. 
and I was wrong because before I went to bed Thursday night, I checked to see where the tide had bottomed out at, and it bottomed out a foot above the predicted, which was not what I wanted to see. So I started getting nervous uh, because I knew we had a little bit of a stronger northwest wind and we had another uh, falling tide coming in the morning. So I'm like, I hope, I'm hoping it's not going to dump at all. But if it dumps, we got trouble because it's just, you want to be there the day before, the day at, the two days after is just money. And so I had hoped that that dump was going to happen Thursday and then Friday was when it was really going to get good. But it did not dump. Water level stayed up. And uh, I actually couldn't sleep Thursday night because uh, holidays, I hadn't been fishing in a while. I was I was excited, but I was also nervous because the tide didn't do what I hoped it was going to do. The wind didn't didn't affect it the way I hoped it was going to affect it. And my biggest fear was that it was going to cause it to dump on Friday. And just before I finally fell asleep, I looked at the the turn of the tide. And if you're looking at the graph, when you check on the on the NOAA website, if you check the bo- uh, the box that says plot data, it'll show you the predicted is the blue line, the actual is the red line. And so it showed the tide, a sharp curve down before it was supposed to turn. So it, it showed that like what was actually happening out there in the middle of the night, uh, Thursday night slash Friday morning, was that the tide was starting to fall early. When you see that and you see a northwest wind blowing, a dump is happening. The dump is happening and there ain't a thing you can do about it. So I thought, well, while I still have water on the flats, because you got to remember, the key element of this is I was hired for a shallow water site casting trip. Okay. So it, the customer could have, you know, Wayne could have gotten his own boat and gone and fished deep water and probably caught some redfish. Or I could have thrown the trolling motor on the boat and we could have gone and fished deep water. I got lots of places like that that we can, you know, we could go and and catch fish. But that's not what this trip was designed for. And so I couldn't give up on that. I wanted to just try to pull a rabbit out of my hat and go find fish. So I went to some backwaters early because I'm thinking we're about to not have any water in any of these flats. It's all going to fall off. And I wanted to go back there while there was still water and see if we could find redfish. Well, we're headed to a back Creek and I'm looking at the temperature, uh, the water temperature on my Simrad and it is 48 degrees. (laughs) And if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you know, 48 degrees is the the temperature of water in which 
I pretty much give up on the flats altogether. And if I have to just catch fish, I go deep. But we had a bright, clear day with the sun coming out. And I was hoping that that was going to help us find a few fish. So get back in this creek. It is an absolute ghost town. Uh, the water temperature is 48 degrees. The further I pull up this creek, the water temperature is dropping. It dropped to 46 degrees. So after about 200 yards of feeling that place out, we spun up and got out of there. We spooked one redfish on the way in, and we spooked that same redfish on the way out. Had I known what the rest of the day was going to look like, I would have probably stopped and pulled out and tried to catch that fish. <laughs> but we didn't. I thought we were going to, you know, I had a few tricks up my sleeve I thought were going to work. One of those was to fish the shallow edges of deep creeks and deep bayous uh, around structure because a lot of the bait and fish will hold in those areas if you've got a big dump coming and the water temperature is cold. So we saw a couple of fish up there, but nothing to write home about. So we moved again and I went to Main Bay. By this time, water's getting pretty low, but the sun is getting high. It's starting to warm that temperature up. So I go to a Main Bay shallow water flat that in these types of conditions, you know, you usually can get lucky and, and uh, pull a fish out. But I, before I get to that part, uh, we had a big stretch of the day in which we pulled across a large area that I might not have pulled across otherwise, but I had motor issues. I was putting out of this bayou and my overheat alarm starts blaring from my motor and that hasn't happened uh to me on on that boat and it kind of threw me for a loop i'm like what the heck is going on so wayne had been looking back he's like i don't think your motor's peeing man i'm like oh no so i had some monofilament i doubled it up shoved it in the hole couldn't get it to unblock wayne had some thicker monofilament i uh doubled it up shoved it in the hole couldn't get it to work so I have some number 14 gauge electrical wire that's hooked to my battery charger because I have that battery charger that just has the terminals and you use your own wire and clamp underneath them. So I cut that off. I cut about, you know, 10, 12 inches of it off. I pull the cowling on the motor. I unhook the tube from the little spout that sticks through the cowling. And uh, so that I have enough room to shove that thicker wire through there. I shove that wire all the way up into the, you know, through the motor and the water pump, wherever it goes. And uh, get it all done, put it back together, put the cowling back on. And it's still not peeing. So I think I got a water pump that's out. And I'm thinking the only choice I have is to pull as far as I can and then fire it up and hammer down we got about three minutes of flat out running before the thing overheats again. And I wanted to be able to get to a safe place to pull for another few hundred yards before I did that over and over again to get us home, right? So 
we pull across a large area that uh, there was a portion of that area that I wanted to pull anyway because I do find fish there in these conditions, and that's the only place that we found fish. Uh, we found three, maybe four redfish, and only got a good shot at one of them. And that fish picked up Wayne's bait and spit it right back out and changed zip codes. So we pull out to the intercoastal. We're pulling along the edge of some rocks. We got a barge coming uh, in front of us. We got a barge coming behind us. We don't want to take the wake from either of those boats. And so I tell Wayne, look, we're going to pull up a little bit till they get a little closer. Then we're going to turn this thing on, hammer down, hope that it it unclogs and we keep going. Or if not, we're going to get to the other side of the ICW, up on the shallow shelf. And once the barges are passed, we're going to pull until we can fire back up and run another three or four minutes. And I kind of had it game planned in my mind. So we get down there, we hammer down. And after we get going just for a second, motor starts peeing. So we're in good shape. So we go to this mid-bay flat. Uh, it's covered in shell. Normally works out uh, for these kind of conditions. But the thing working against us is the dump. And when the water is falling that fast, not only does it change uh, your sense of where you can go and when, but the fish are not coming up onto the flats when the water is falling out that fast. Uh, they're going to wait for the tide change. And what happens on a day like Friday when you have that, that big dump is the tide change happens later. I've seen it as late as an hour and a half later than it's supposed to. But we were supposed to have a tide change um, if I, my memory serves me correctly, somewhere around noon. That did not happen. Uh, and in fact, tide was still, um, tide was still going out when we tucked our tails uh, close to two o'clock. And uh, actually, I think we were ju- it had just changed because I saw the line, the tide line, we were on our way in. But uh, we didn't catch any fish there. I tried to go to... Uh, another spot that has a shallow mouth, but it gets deeper in the back. And I shut it down a little too early because I was going to pull off into the mouth. Couldn't get in there. Had to get out of the boat and shove it off the sandbar and and completely uh, change directions and go somewhere else. So I look like an absolute rookie uh, all day Friday. Had motor issues, had... uh, you know, couldn't find a fish to save our life. Uh, tried to get in to an area that the water was too low to get into. Just, just all the things that rookies uh, that rookies do. You know, it happens to everybody. But I, I, I felt, uh, I felt pretty terrible about the way that Friday went, and I was just kicking myself because Saturday and Sunday. If you fished on Saturday and Sunday. I don't really want to hear how great it was because I was looking at the weather and looking at the tide level and it just, it had to have been magic because what happens is that water level drops way down 
it stays cold. The sun comes out, warms it up, it gets cold again at night, right? So after it gets cold again that night, and you, but you've had an incoming tide uh, that's moving water up onto those flats, the next day you have a normal outgoing tide and that water on the flats is going to warm up and you're not going to have that crazy uh, wind and that crazy dump and things normalize and those the fish and the bait will move up into shallow flats that are near deep water. And because the water falls so much the day before, they've got fewer places to go. So I've had days like what Saturday and Sunday probably look like for everybody else who got to fish those days. I've had days like that where you can find a hundred redfish in a small area on a flat and it's just amazing. But I didn't get to do that on Saturday. I had to go to, we went out of town. We stayed with friends uh, down in Mount Bellevue for New Year's Eve and then packed up Monday, New Year's Day, and went to Waco, Texas. My domestic coordinator and I celebrated 15 years of marital bliss. And we went to Waco and did all the things that she loves to do. Uh, and I don't know how I got roped into that, but she deserved it. We went and stayed at the Hotel 1928 that Joe, uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines have rebuilt i guess and and it was cool the place looked like you stepped back in time super cool the food was great uh we had a good time and uh i've sufficiently licked my wounds and uh know that if i'm faced with that situation again i probably will just have a talk with the customer and go hey why don't we go fall off into some deep water and actually catch some fish but i couldn't let go of the fact that, you know, I was hired for a shallow water sight casting trip and I just didn't feel good. I didn't feel good about charging Wayne to fish with me if we're going to go sit in deep water and catch redfish. I also didn't feel good about charging him to go uh, deal with, you know, a couple hours of motor issues and getting stuck on a sandbar and not catching a freaking fish all day. So it's just a rough day. Uh, I'm putting that one in the books and I'm learning from it. And if I, it's just because I saw, as soon as I saw that tick in the, in the tide graph and I saw the, the dump start, I probably should have just changed game plans altogether. But I was over optimistic and I thought, hey, I'm just going to, I'm going to make lemons, uh, lemonade out of, out of the lemons I've been handed here and it just didn't work. Uh, so now I know next time I'll probably be a little more conservative with my optimism when I'm faced with that deal. Uh, and if I could have fished on Saturday, I might've just hollered and said, hey, why don't we do Saturday instead? But I had, I had family plans. So I knew that it wasn't in the cards. So I'm going to fish uh, tomorrow, and I'm planning on fishing on Friday as well. We've got uh, similar but not the same conditions tomorrow. We've got, I think there's some northwest wind happening tomorrow. I am going to check 
while I'm sitting here. It's Wednesday night, just in case you were wondering. Uh, it's Wednesday night, and tomorrow, oh no, tomorrow we're going to have east, east wind. Uh, ugh. East wind is the worst to navigate in. It's just not any fun to navigate in. Uh, but that's going to pump the water up. And as I look at it right now, the water's already been pumped up some. So that crazy low water's gone. And uh, probably in about two weeks, we're going to get that front that I've been telling you guys about. And why is that front going to make things worse? Why is it going to make things different? Uh, it's going to make things different because it's going to keep the water cold for a longer period of time and it's going to uh, drop the water level significantly and it's going to stay water should probably stay gone for a little while and so uh, that's going to keep the fish off the flats you'll still find you'll still find them up there but it's going to get more sporadic even than it is here in January so tomorrow um, my plan is to, it's just going to be a fun fish day. Uh, my plan is to, uh, launch a little bit later and try to find areas protected. And since we got higher water levels, I'm going to fish the flats and try to sight cast some fish because water temperature as we sit on Wednesday night right now at the Galveston rail bridge is in the mid fifties and dropping. So, uh, I think we're going to be fine for that that scenario tomorrow. I want to thank everybody that fished with me in 2023. I started guiding. I got my guide license middle of the year, um, early to middle of the year, and then didn't start guiding until the fall. And I have had customers come out that, that have had good experiences that have rebooked me. I've got... Uh, at this point, I did the numbers on it, um, so I don't have them in front of me, but uh, it's something like 80% of my customers have been repeat customers. They've booked again. So that's cool. And that's the kind of uh, library of folks that I'm looking to uh, to build slowly but surely. And uh, obviously, if any Friday, if, if last Friday is any uh, evidence, there's going to be some bumps in the road. So uh, if you fish with me, and we have a sucky day like that and we don't catch any fish, I'm not going to bill you for it. I just don't believe in it. Uh, I know that that's not the way this is supposed to work, but you're going to spend 500 to 700 bucks to go fishing with me. I, you know, we need to catch some fish or I need to, I need to impart some knowledge to you that is valuable. I need to show you an area that you need to take away some value from that trip. And Friday, uh, poor old Wayne, he didn't get any of that. So, <laughs> so, uh, that's kind of my motto. I, you, you're going to spend your hard earned money and you're going to go, you're going to trust me with it. I'm going to produce, or I'm not going to, I'm not going to bill you. Now there have been plenty of days where, you know, uh, I, whether it's been a client or, uh, we've been fun fishing where we catch two or three fish and sometimes it's not my fault. Uh, sometimes, I've got a client on the boat who's just newer at the game and they can't, uh, they're not as accurate at hitting their targets. And we see a ton of redfish and we only catch three or four. 
that's, you know, that's not my fault. That person is getting a bill. You know what I'm saying? But uh, by and large, like Friday was a terrible experience for everybody. And other than just, I enjoyed the heck out of being on the boat with Wayne. He seems like a dude uh, that, that I, I could just get along with really well. And I had a, I had a fun time and just having him out. So all in all, it was good. Uh, what are we going to look for in 2024? Well, I'm going to have a new intro to the podcast. The music's going to stay the same. I'm going to re-record, re-record the, uh, the vocal to the intro. I'm going to have a new picture uh, for the podcast. So when you see that new picture pop up on next week's episode, then uh, don't be uh, weirded out by it. It's just we're just changing, uh, changing the logo a tad bit. And uh, I'm working on some other things uh, to throw out there. I'm working on some fishing gloves that because uh, I can't find a model out there that does what I want them to do. And so I'm working on creating a pair of fishing gloves that specifically are going to make red fishing easier. And that's all I'm going to say about that because <laughs> I don't want to put my idea out there in the world uh, until I have something made uh, from it. So I appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, the Redfish Network going strong. We've got some cool things in store for 2024. And let's get into our Bible tidbit. We're going to be talking about the woman at the well. So the woman at the well, she was a Samarian woman. You can find this story in John chapter four. So Jesus, uh, it's not long after he had done the whole um uh, turn the water into wine at the wedding at Cana. And he has not really begun his public ministry yet. He's not begun revealing who he is to anyone outside of the disciples yet. And so he's leaving uh, wherever it was that he, that he was. Uh, and he's, he's on a journey. He's going to go through Samaria and Samaria is a city in the northern kingdom. Uh, it is the kingdom that retained the name Israel when the kingdom split. So back in the day after King Solomon died, so King Solomon was the last king that uh, had a unified Israel. His sons uh, warred over the kingdom and it split. Uh, ten tribes stayed Israel, two tribes became Judah. Judah was the southern kingdom. Israel was the northern kingdom. The capital of Judah was Jerusalem. So they got to keep the capital of the nation because it geographically was located in uh, Judah. Israel formed a new capital in the city of Samaria. And Samaritan people believed that they had the true form of religion. They modeled their religion after what they believed was the true form of worship that Abraham, that had existed in the days of Abraham. And the people in the South uh, believed that was incorrect and that they had the correct form of religion and worship to God and especially because they had the temple in Jerusalem. And 
northern the northern kingdom Israel in Samaria they had to build build their own temple and so there became uh, a disdain between those groups of people they even go to war at some point but uh, in this day and age uh, that war is behind them and they just don't like each other well Jesus has decided rather than going around Samaria, he's traveling through it and he stops at Jacob's well and he meets a, a woman there. And if you read the story, uh, he tells the woman, you know, give me a drink. Uh, the disciples had wandered off to go get food into the city and he tells the Samaritan woman uh, to give him a drink, which for him to even speak to her is uh, is not something that a normal uh, Jewish man would probably have even done. And the woman said to him, how is it that you are a Jew and you ask a drink from a woman of Samaria? So she's like, what's up? That's not normal. Uh, the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So Jesus answered her and he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. living water. So the woman says, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here and draw water. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said, You're right in saying you have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. And so he calls her out in her circumstance, and in doing so, and having never met her before, lets her know that there's something special, unique about him. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem, the the place is where the is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, He who is called the Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I am, uh, sorry, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. So, The reason this story is important is for a lot of different reasons. One of them, the main reason it's important, this is Jesus's first public announcement to anyone outside of his disciples that he is the Messiah. 
and he is he has chosen to reveal himself to a woman and not only a woman a samaritan woman and not only a samaritan woman but a woman that uh has had all of these husbands and it's kind of has a nefarious situation going on in her personal life and God entrusted her with this message. And I think that is powerful. I think it's special. I think that we at all, uh, all of us at some point in our lives have been that woman. We felt like that woman. Um, our lives have resembled the, this picture that is drawn of her where we're far from God. Maybe we think we know who God is and how, how this whole religion thing works, but we don't. And, uh, and God comes to her and he comes to us in that state and goes, here, here's the truth of the precious gospel. And he entrusts it to us. And, uh, so that's our Bible tidbit for the day. You can find that story in John four, if you want to go and look it up, uh, read it for yourself even further. If you want to get a hold of me, empty stringers at gmail that's the best way to do it you can send me an instagram message at empty underscore stringers uh, i hope that you will fill your podcasting ears with uh, the paddlers playbook with drew turner over on the redfish network with me uh you've got the salty yak outdoor podcast with carrie uh it's a great one to listen to and uh, i'm wishing you guys all of the blessings in 2024. We'll see you next week.